You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to this very special bonus episode of Nightmare on Film Street, where we're talking about a little project that you may have heard about online. Uh, It went viral a few weeks ago, and uh, it's pretty darn cool. We are talking about the potential 13 Ghost series. We sat down with Primordial Pictures' Patrick Mediate, Aaron McLean, and Ashley Robinson to chat about their pitch and what they have planned for the series. Yeah, we're big fans of the 13 Ghosts franchise here uh, at Nightmare on Film Street. Obviously, both the original William Castle picture and the Dark Castle remake that we all know and love. And uh, if there's another 13 Ghost project coming into this world, it's a good time to be alive. (laughs) Or a good time to be a ghost, frankly. I mean, I like to assume that I can still watch horror movies after I'm gone. True, either or. You might get cast. Damn, that's the new optimism that I'm holding on to. Like, fuck it. If I become a ghost, I'll still hang out and watch horror movies. Just gotta make sure you die in a movie theater. (laughs) Hopefully, ghosts are corporeal. Is that what you call them? Corporeal. Yeah, where you can, like, press play. Oh yeah, you don't want to get you don't want to get stuck on in a house where somebody like only likes watching zombie movies and nothing else. Like, hey, zombie movies, great, love them, but if I can never see a slasher again or a ghost movie, you're being so optimistic. Like, what if you die in a Mary Poppins house and oh, all they watch fuck. is fucking spoonful of sugar every night? That's that's truly hell. How undark castle of us. <laughs> Well, anyway, we're going to toss over to the interview right now. Uh, You know, it's not a project that exists yet, but we had such a good time uh, chatting back and forth online with Aaron, Ashley, and Patrick about their project that we invited them on the show to give us the scoop uh, on what we can expect for the potential future of the 13 Ghosts. Just a heads up, this interview was recorded while the WGA strike was still going on. Obviously, you've probably heard by now that it's over, but just for a little bit of context, because I, I know it definitely comes up at least once or twice, this was recorded at a time where we weren't sure how long it was going to take for writers to get back to work. So how did you guys all, uh, like, hook up? <laughs> uh, Pat and I went to college together, and then I worked with Ashley on Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, cool. And so you guys have a podcast together or you're all on different podcasts. Tell me a little bit what what you guys do. (laughs) Yeah, Aaron has his podcast. Ashley, you you don't have a podcast too, do you? No, I don't. Not yet. We're going to get you one. (laughs) We have to get you one. I used to and it was politics based and it got very depressing. So (laughs) we decided to stop. Hmm. Pat's got one. You got one. I do. I have screenwriters podcasts. So we're we're growing quite substantially. We're in our fourth season. We deal with um, everything horror screenwriting. So we have some really cool horror screenwriters of past, present and upcoming on the show. It's really fun. That is fun. Has the strike mostly taken over the podcast, though? The strike has... I, well, in a way, the strike has made it a little easier to get guests. We're getting uh, Rebecca McKendry on the show, who does a lot with Fangoria in a week or so. Um, and we're speaking to her, which we have been trying to do for years. And Aaron's actually filling in for my co-host because my co-host is pregnant and just had her baby. So she's she's mm-hmm. left for a while. Yeah. 
Well, she's a screenwriter. I, it's a good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very, yeah. Exactly. I have the uh, the Launchpad podcast. We've been doing it for about six years. It's me and my my former college roommate. We just um, we get a lot of cool interviews, like uh, comic book writers, and we had Dolph Lundgren on at one point, which was amazing. Um, but most of the time, it's arguing like who wins in a fight, Jason Voorhees or Spider Man or The Punisher or something, and it's it's just nerdy, nerdy raw talk, and we're just goofy dudes. <laughs> so you guys, right. I mean, you guys are all your show. Yeah, Comic Con was I'm amazing. A fan of Launchpad pod. I mean. It's, fun, it's, right? it's weird to distinguish the fandom from the the collaboration. It really, I know, is. right? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's fun though. I, I I love it. I mean, it's 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 just a good way, and it's cheaper than shooting a, a short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's fun. To, your y'all's banter is really good. It oh, makes thanks. me laugh. It's good. It is very good. <laughs> did you uh, all just discover one day that you uh, that you're obsessed with Thirteen Ghosts, or is this just like a property that you'd always been hoping somebody else would take on? A little bit Actually, of both. Yeah, go a ahead, Ashley. Yeah, yeah, so Aaron and I worked on Fear, which our last season shot in Savannah. So previously, it was shooting in Austin for a number of seasons. Um, and we had to move because, you know, the studios are going through a lot. Um, <laughs> and since, since we changed areas, we had some overhaul with some of the folks that we had um, who came on to the show. And Aaron was one of them. He came on as our um or had a visual effects um did amazing work and we actually ran into each other at um the savannah women in film and television's industry party for the savannah film festival and we just grabbed a cocktail and was we're just kind of like meeting each other um it came up like organically and we both realized we're like huge fans of these this property and um i was like i want to make it into a tv show and he was like well we should I have a writing partner and it kind of snowballed from there. It, it really was like, kind of like, you're my best friend. And so was Pat, who I'm about to meet. And after that, we kind of like sat down and had a meeting about this idea. And it turned out into like a 13 ghost jam sesh. And we just started the ball rolling with actually trying to make this a, a realization. Yeah, like I think I've also, I think Kim as well have been obsessed with the 13 Ghosts. Oh, we're such junkies. As soon as your email came in my inbox, I was like, what? Yeah, I think like every (laughs) sleepover party I went to at a certain age would have also just been called a 13 Ghosts Jam Fest. Like, we were watching that movie on repeat as kids. Yeah, basically anything Dark Castle came out was just, like, the sweet spot for, like, just early 2000s horror is defined by, like, three films. It's 13 Ghosts, House on Haunted Hill, and I'm going to say Ghost Ship, but... (laughs) Ghost Ship is a good one. It's all about campy, like, incredibly terrifying fun where it's not anything that's going to make your sleepover be ruined but it's still scary enough to like enjoy with a group of people rather than yourself yeah true true and that actually... first scene though is pretty scary awesome yeah. so good though so oh, good. Yeah. yeah everybody gets cut in half it's so good yeah that's actually a really interesting point though because that's when when horror movies were still fun because then like edging into the 2000s horror movies got mean and like yeah. saw saw is not a great sleepover movie like <laughs> You know, Devil's Rejects isn't the best sleepover movie. Like, I've tried, but like, everybody's like, man, this is yucking the wow and making everybody not have a good time. And it's just like, like, people, like, the early 2000s got mean instead of fun. And I think 13 Goes is still fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. 
And so Aaron or Pat, like, did you did you and Aaron sort of like discover that movie together? Like, how long have you guys been friends? Long Over fifteen long. years. I mean, we graduated college in two thousand six, right? Okay, two thousand six. We, what I like to, how I like to put this is, Aaron and I discovered everything without each other, and then we came together and we realized that we were on parallel tracks but on separate planes and all of our experiences in the horror world were the same we just didn't really communicate with each other about it until when Aaron like a few years ago like like two years ago you texted me kind of out of the blue like we, we had been like oh hey what's up you know a little bit um, but then you were like, hey, I got this idea. It's about two girls that are in a cult. And I texted him back, yeah, but they're werewolves. And he went, genius. And we wrote our first script off of that. That's cool. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> I said, yes, you are the right person to collaborate with me. And ever since then, we that spawned an amazing uh, first script together called Daughters of the Moon First Phase. It's so much fun. And how many other scripts, Aaron? I mean, we've gotten like five Four. now. Five, just, yeah. We just finished our fifth one. So just finished our fifth script together and 13 ghosts. Yeah. Which is like, this is just a passion project. Like this is the one of the ones that's like, if you can make this go, I mean that, that, that this is, this is what, what you get into horror for is like trying to mm-hmm. put, trying to bring something, the justice that it deserves. Cause I think everybody can agree that while 13 ghosts was an awesome movie, there are certain areas where it's lacking to be nice <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. and a tv show could iron some of those bumps out and like you know that where where you know the ideas that ashley brought to the table with like how to format this and then what pat and i brought to the table with like the big long form aspect of it like i think i think it has potential to just be a brilliant horror tv show and really sort of set the stage for what what you can do with prestige horror tv yeah and it's it's a story that's even the first time watching it you know it's kind of begging for more backstory like they really tease you with like like everything you want to know about these ghosts they just don't give you that's what i was gonna say maybe the weakest thing about the remake is that you don't have enough time with the ghosts that's the that's the thing that's the most frustrating as a fan because you're like i could just stay in this creepy bloody bathroom for another (laughs) hour and a half (laughs) oh yeah exactly and i feel like uh like this movie also just makes me feel nostalgic for DVD featurettes um, <laughs> because this is the one, maybe this and um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen yes! and Kill Bill's featurettes. <laughs> like the, they did so well packaging all of this extra, extra features for the DVD. And I feel like 13 Ghosts did a really good job of that. But we obviously don't really have like places to watch dvds anymore it's hard to find the featurettes online mm-hmm. so this also gives us an opportunity to kind of um showcase what they were trying to start with that at least if we had our druthers i mean if we ran the zoo we would absolutely have a massive like behind the scenes effort because like that again like like ashley was saying the behind the scenes and the and the special featurettes those are just like i mean that's what made me want to do this. It's not watching the movie. It's watching the little bit of behind the scenes and you pause it and you go, that was a puppet. Whoa. What are they doing there? Like th- that's, I think that's a given that you need to have that behind the scenes. Cause that's what people eat up. They want to know how the magic was done, but they don't want to see it while they're watching the movie. <laughs> you know, they want to escape that. Yeah. Right? right. 
Right, Aaron, we discussed that as we were creating the season breakdown of which mm-hmm. we did the entire season breakdown. We broke everything in a few weeks. We understand from start to finish how everything is going to unfold in our minds and how we would like it to unfold. We shared that with Dark Castle before we had their buy-in, and I think that contributed a lot to their green light from their side to say, hey, these folks don't just have a great deck together and a great pitch, but they also understand the universe and where it's heading from start to finish. We discussed during that period, I don't know if you remember, Aaron, but doing something similar to Talking Dead that they do where you have a podcast that coincides with the actual season of the show that brings those extra features on a weekly basis to you because it's such an epic world that we're creating here with our 13 ghost series that it will necessitate needing more background behind the scenes type things, because there are are going to be a lot of questions and a lot of, you know, how did they do this? And why did they do this? Also just the, the, you know, you get all the strings dangled. You just, you want to, you want to, it's fun to guess where are they going to tie this knot? Where's it going to all come together? Like, that's my favorite thing about like, I don't know when you watch like game of Thrones and stuff is like, Ooh, I see the threads, but I have no idea where they're going to go with this. And like, that's just part of the ride is like, you know, that's what makes horror fun is it takes you on a ride. Yeah. And I think that's, sorry, go ahead. No, I said, sorry. I said, it's a puzzle too. I think what was incredible about 13 ghosts remake was that the Basilius machine which opens the portal felt like it was sort of the Da Vinci code type device where if everything falls in line and you get the right combination, it opens up and then it reveals the universe and all that. This similarly, similarly was that, but we identified that and then decided, Hey, we can keep this entire series a puzzle until all the way through till the end where the audience is guessing every step of the way what next piece is going to unlock the next piece is going to unlock the next piece similar to like an rpg game or something like of that nature in the video game sphere which aaron and i have also spoken about heavily too taking some points pointers from video game narratives I think that's a really uh, great way to move forward. And and speaking as I'm, I'm, we're both not really huge television fans. And I think <laughs> it's for this reason that a lot of thing, a lot of content now is not made with the end in mind. And yeah. as writers ourselves, you're not planting seeds. You're not, you're not making those same open, open threads to tie later. If you don't know necessarily where you're going. Like, I think for me, one of the biggest, like most frustrating shows on television is American Horror Story because (laughs) I feel like every day they're doing, or every episode, they're just like, Oh, you know what? We were doing this, but I would rather do this now. And you're like, wait, what? Why? <laughs> There's not. They're not writing toward anything. It feels like. Yeah, it just yeah. feels like like they have amnesia or something, and you're like, why? Where are we going? That's a total. It starts. It just starts so strong, and like it always starts so strong. But like, like uh, the Coven season was oh. probably one of the only ones that had a really good through because they had another season waiting for that one because they planned ahead 
I'm I'm not even excited for this new one. That's basically <laughs> just Rosemary's Baby, but I know I'm going to get roped into watching at least the first two. <laughs> we always we, we my wife and I we kind of said that there's a there's a template to it where it's like the first six episodes are a cohesive story. Then there's like three episodes of spinning their wheels because they're like, we don't know how to finish this thing because we don't want to do what you think you're going to have happen. And then by the time they get to the thing, like, isn't your mind blown? You're like, well, that was really off the path. But like, I kind of just wanted it to end the way the first six episodes told me it was going to end. And that would have been satisfying. Instead, you're trying to blow the lid off of it. It's like we like horror stories because there's a level of predictability and there's ways you can stray characters can do wild things your characters can come from wild places but like when you watch a slasher movie you like i i'll watch 13 of those friday the 13th movies because they're the same movie over and over again with just some different different things plugged and played in that's why they're comfort food that's why we like them Oh yeah, but there's you, you really can't undersell like the puzzle box narrative, right? Like that's that's the that's the lightning in a bottle where you you know you're dealing with a genre that has got a lot of tropes and a lot of templates and a lot of rules that everybody expects, but when you can can keep all the balls in the air and actually have surprises throughout, like that's that's how you know you've got something really good. So like everything you guys are saying about it makes it sound very exciting. Uh, yeah, we okay. we had a ba- a lot of back and forths, Aaron. We we were racking our brain uh, for days. How are we going to present this? What is each episode going to be like and be structured like in order to get everything in our minds out the right way that we want to tell? We want to talk about Cyrus's story, how he became Cyrus. We want to talk about the ghosts, how they became the ghosts. We want to talk about the family and how they got mixed up in this whole thing, how Cyrus is pulling the family's strings in order to get them to him, them to do what he wants them to do in order to fulfill his prophecy of opening the portal. How are all of those things going to interconnect with one another in 13 episodes of which we're proposing, obviously 13 episode season. How are they going to do that each episode? And Aaron, why don't you describe a little bit about what we decided on at the end of the day structurally for each and it was unconventional yeah and it, it we needed to explain it to dark castle really explain it and go over it and finally they understood it and they were like mind blown you know it's the skeleton metaphor this is a really cool thing that that kind of developed out of our jam sessions with ashley and it was this idea that the ghosts are the blood they're a through line that runs through all the veins of every episode and even though you jump back and forth between all these characters and places and times the ghosts are and their themes are are the piece that carries throughout the whole episode so if you're dealing with betrayal the whole episode is dealing with betrayal what the family deals with is betrayal cyrus in his timeline is dealing with betrayal the ghosts set a theme and they're the blood that runs through the veins of the whole episode the family are the bones you know they're kind of a structure that you hang you hang the 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 blood off of and they're the rock that you always come back to that you identify with as they discover new things, as they discover pieces of the story, pieces of the puzzle, that all starts to come together and make sense. And then Cyrus is this spirit that kind of infuses everything with his his plan. And he, you know, again, he's a puppet master. He's this 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 overarching force that kind of carries everything. So it so it was our skeleton metaphor that that kind of carried our our idea and, and sort of made it make sense. And even though these people are in different times and different places, you can watch a lot of shows that jump between characters that never meet, 
in places they've never been, you know, and, and you can make it make sense as long as your themes are strong and your characters are, 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 uh, you know, engaging. Yeah, that's very true. And especially when you know where you're going, the, the, the audience is going to trust you if those characters aren't necessarily interacting with one another. Exactly. Yeah. And what a what a cool spooky way to to describe the structure of your story. I think yeah. that's, that's way cooler than being like it's like gears inside gears that turn a bigger machine. I mean, though like, that would work for the house. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, <laughs> of course. But yeah, like uh, let's let's take it to blood and guts and bones and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it play. I, I think the analogy played well with both uh, Sony and with Dark Castle. Oh, that's good. And we watched reactions, and it it made them understand gear wise i like how you mentioned gears because we liked the idea of gears if you remember the remake the house was gears mm -hmm. and they were turning and everything would it was sort of a rube goldbergy type setup yeah. where it led to one thing led to another thing and then the machine started we were thinking hey and this is something we haven't really discussed anywhere in, in any news article any podcast any anything but we saw Cyrus and his sort of conception on how he started thinking about building this machine and what he did as a younger self mm. as Cyrus that that sort of earned. We like to talk about that a lot in the screenwriting world. How do you earn this thing? Right. How do you earn the Basilius machine happening? And one of those ways is understanding how a Basilius machine is built and what it does and finding that information. But the other is building it. How is Cyrus a craftsman that he knows how to craft something that he can build that does that? And our answer for that was we were thinking back to what, what could he do as a youngster? What kind of has gears and what what would he use as a kid? And something we went to is like a watch, something as simple as as a watch a pocket watch or a wrist watch. And then we kind of dug deeper and we said, okay, well, as a character attribute of Cyrus, he's a tinkerer. He's a consummate. He loves to, he loved to tinker what he's growing up. He had a room full of watches and gears and he loved to see how things worked and the inner workings of things. And if you make the character of Cyrus that way, then you've earned him understanding how to build a machine and mechanically trying to figure it out. And all of those things can weave in through all of the narratives. But it was fun trying to think of all of that, trying to understand Cyrus. And Cyrus, honestly, is truly the soul of everything. He is the main character in my mind. I think we can all agree of this story. And he gets his, his dues in this series for sure. I think it's a great angle because, uh, you know, like if you're trying to conquer death or you're trying to uh, access the spirit world in some way that is also like conquering time. So I think a watch is a great is a great uh, is a great entry point for all that. So it's ticking, ticking in general in anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just enhances tension. <laughs> yeah, it propels things. It moves things forward. And I'm a big proponent of sound effects as well in our work and we write some sound effects into our pieces when they're used as narrative vehicles. I don't like to just put in boom, bang, bing, zing. You know? <laughs> I, I, like, I was just going to say that. <laughs> Zap. I like, I like to add it if it, if it has something to do with propelling the actual narrative and it contributes to the story as a whole and something like that very much does. So that's cool. Like, I, I like how much you're thinking about the experience of it. Uh, you know, even in these early stages. And I, I think one of the things that uh, attracted me 
to you know the initial news stories about your project here is how much you want to bring back the the spectral viewer uh, into like a modern uh, modern lens. So like obviously when William Castle made the original Thirteen Ghosts, they were kind of just you know really cool looking three D glasses <laughs> that you could use to see ghosts, which you know also ties into the movie. It's he was a genius, but. Um, can you talk a little bit about any plans you have for like the augmented reality uh, aspects of this uh, new 13 ghosts? And whose hand do I shake? Well, whose idea was this? <laughs> <laughs> it's I all mean, a big, go ahead, Ashley. Yeah. It's like a collective blur. Cause honestly, the very first conversation that we had as like a trio, like Pat was telling us that he had just gotten um, like original pairs of spectral viewers from the original like you had just wanted on an auction site right yeah i i'm a collector myself and as i'm a little bit like cyrus i have to say not in the weird manipulative way murderous way or the murderous way not not recently (laughs) but in in the collecting way I, i love to collect film memorabilia and props and fun things from movies i've watched or things that just interest me but I had just one on an auction site, the Spectral Viewers, the original ones in the theater that they used with the red and the blue lenses. If you look through one, the ghosts are there. If you look through the other, the ghosts are gone if you're scared. Um, and I think that's what, to Ashley's point, set us off on this journey. Yeah. If to we, I think, let me go back a little bit on this theme because I think this is really important. We wanted to pay homage to everything 13 Ghosts stood for from the original William Castle film, right? And we wanted to pay homage to William Castle, who who created this incredible, if it wasn't for him, this would not, this world would not exist. None of this would exist. And his crazy, quirky personality of who he is. And another way to do that was to say, hey, they didn't really extend this to the audience in the remake. We're going to bring it back and we're going to pay homage to William Castle. And we're going to make our own modern day version of the spectral viewers or find a way. And we bounced it off each other. And we were like, this can happen so simply with AR and with your phone and with an app. Aaron was saying living wine bottles, things that are used in daily implications. I've been looking for something to use this idea for because it's like I, I saw the living wine bottles, which I think are just so such a cool idea on crappy wine uh i mean sorry uh but it's like they they, it's such a really neat idea and there's some really cool applications to it and i think if and 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 we've seen versions of this with like ghost hunting apps that exist already and it's like if you figure out a way to polish this up and make it work for what you're trying to do there's a really cool application for this and in my mind there's a way to do it much like the way that they did in the original movie where you are experiencing the show and while the show is being experienced the ar app is interacting with the world around you in a way that is could be really cool but you know that all takes development and r&d but we have we you know i have i have looked into it and we do have some some leads on on places that can put that kind of thing together it'd be so cool it'd be so cool i mean i would love it it would be really cool to do and it also just like furthers part of our pitch that like oh this is a facet to getting you more views like people are going to watch an episode for the first time because they want the story they're mm-hmm. going to go back and watch it the second time to see what they can find oh yeah with the spectral viewer 100%. which i think is really cool 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's something like a lot of these streamers and studios need to consider. Because, like, if we think about, like, Netflix and what they did with that Black Mirror movie. Bandersnatch, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's like people will actually eat this kind of stuff up if you give them the opportunity to try something new. And it would be fun to go back to, like, Smell-O-Vision <laughs> for certain things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, you actually mentioned this earlier, but how those early 2000s movies are fun. And I think uh, bringing back this spectral vision is the perfect way to bring fun back into modern horror. Because I think that is something that we're not necessarily uh, seeing anymore. And I think there's a huge space for fun horror to exist. And I think you guys can really fill that hole. And it's it's great, too, because if William Castle was living today, he would absolutely be playing with AR. He would be oh, doing yeah. everything he could with the technology today. Like screw the floaty skeletons. Like we can we can do huge things. Right? I I think there's just a fun world to play with the gimmick. And and like you said, have fun and find something that will keep people coming back just to see if there's something that they missed in that experience. And I I just such a big proponent of that and I I think you know, we want to have fun with this while still treating it as serious as you can you want it to be scary and like a good horror movie takes you right to that edge but then gives you a break with something that is fun not necessarily funny but fun like something that is not always stab 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 blood 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 but (laughs) i mean that that is fun too in the in the horror fan sense like the ghosts themselves will be fun for us even if they're terrifying (laughs) exactly that's what i'm talking about so we so another piece that we haven't discussed with anyone before is I love this you're giving us all the all the hot leads I'm giving you some gems (laughs) yeah we're giving uh just we wanted we don't want to share too much that gives away um an experience or a storyline or a true narrative of what actually happens we want audiences to watch this thing and truly be surprised every step of the way so I don't think anything we're giving away is is going to ruin that whatsoever but we in addition to the AR sort of component, we were battling, right, Aaron and Ashley, about how do we just not make it random? Like, how do we integrate, not only do an AR component with the AR goggles, but we also integrate that into some way into the narrative where there are also the the devices on the screen mm-hmm. and folks using things in the AR world. And it created sort of an AR through line a little bit, an influencer through line. I think that's a better way to put it, Mm. where we may or may not have an influencer type character within it and have a bit thematically within this of influencer culture. I think that's- Vloggers. Yeah, the bloggers bloggers. and vloggers. Because we live in a world where like, you know, you guys do it when you catch a piece of news in the horror sphere and it can go viral and it goes crazy and everybody jumps on it. And like in a world where if there was really a Cyrus Criticos and people were like, is he catching ghosts? Because how long <laughs> is something like that going to stay secret? Yeah. The the Internet would be all over it. So there's definitely we, we envision these characters that are kind of um, hip to that. And it's a way for our characters to discover things where they're like, do I live in a haunted mansion? Tap, 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 tap. And you're like, oh, yeah, you're a ghost central, man. Like, you didn't know that. And it's like, I think that's always a fun, a fun way for for characters to discover things. Because nowadays, if I have a question, I just, oh, let me find out. I got the Internet in my hand. Yeah. And and, you know, those characters are always a hoot. You know, we we, we live in in a world where everybody has their own show, their own TV series, their own radio show. And they got to they got to be a character. And Cyrus was was a 
sort of written up in the trades and the publications. He was a known dude, right? Oh, no yeah. Citizen Kane all much. the way. Citizen yeah. Kane. He has his Xanadu up on the hill. And <laughs> An OG influencer. <laughs> yeah. We knew there had to be online gossip about what goes like, on. What is he building the in there? <laughs> what is he building up there? I heard it's haunted. I, you know, there's ghosts in there. Oh, no, that's not true. There's there's nothing up there but an old house and he died years ago and it's abandoned, <laughs> whatever that is. There is that world of gossip that spreads online. And I think that's also was a way for us also to have discoveries within the series on the family's behalf, on certain characters behalf of, hey, what goes on here? We're we're a family moving into this mansion. Uh, is there anything up with this thing? What's the history behind this thing? And um, we have characters in the right age that are able to play with narratives like that. That's great. And it, it goes to with, with viewers watching stuff on TV now, though, right? Like you watch a scene in a movie or a TV show and somebody says something and you're like, oh, that's an interesting fact. And you without pausing the show, you'll pick up your phone and Google something while the show's still going on. So like, I love that you're giving viewers something to do with the phone that's already in their hand. Like ghost hunting is just great. Like I lo- I think anytime you watch a ghost movie, you're just like, Oh, I want to go hunt ghosts now. So now you can do that while you're watching the show. Oh, but I feel like I'm I got constantly, my... sorry, you hunt ghosts. No, I got, I got my pro my proton pack is hanging on the wall. Right <laughs> right on. I feel like I'm constantly pitching our filmmaker friends and our writing friends at, at festivals like we need to make something that uses phones like we need to start letting people use phones even in movie theaters like it needs to become part of the experience because one uh, it becomes way more personalized it's something that you know it's I don't know it's a little more immersive but also everybody's resisting the urge to look at their phone anyway so like why not just give them something (laughs) yeah it's like you can fight that that new necessary evil where people are are so used to checking their phone every 20 minutes that they're going to do it anyway so like why not have them engaged in your content everywhere their eyes are yeah if i was if i was a better i see it as a blair witch I see it as a Blair Witch situation. They did such a great, I remember growing up when the internet was in its infancy, right? And folks were trying to figure out what to do with it. Their campaign was so well run. I went online and I believed every bit of what they were doing and all the footage and these folks got lost in the woods and I had to wait for the day where I could see the actual tape for myself. This is just another way in my mind for us to do that and and potentially plant some influencers and make videos and create an online world that's also an extension of the world within the show there's so many possibilities and to your point that that's such a great point that you send people back around because that's where folks are going they're gonna go on youtube they're gonna look up things they're gonna go on tiktok they're gonna go on wherever their eyes are wherever the platform is of the moment Mm-hmm. And we want to, we want them to find something there that then sends them right back into the show, and it's it, that world extends to to their world, and I think that's really special. And I don't think a lot of shows are doing that, if any show. Yeah, I, I don't think anything is doing. I mean, apart no. from the odd Netflix thing. Yeah, the AR stuff's the nervous system <laughs> of your skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> So without spoiling anything, can you talk a little bit about what you have planned for your individual ghosts or who you're really excited to tackle um, of the 13? Are you bringing the line back? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I mean, we could talk about this one's a tough one because this is something that we kind of can't really talk about if we get to move forward with this. But we 
we could discuss that there were some ghosts from the remake that we felt um, could really be translated well into modern times um, and that were really memorable with at least the stories that were already like created as a foundation to elevate um, for the series that we've hoped to have planned. Um, And then, like we mentioned earlier, with the ghost stories, we really came up with an opportunity to play with time and place. So like, it's really cool that we're able to jump to different time periods to talk about these ghosts um, and to talk about how Cyrus found found them, to talk about their different backgrounds, to make them diverse culturally, because Cyrus is a world traveler and kind of, you know, really dig deep and write something authentic um, for these people that are coming from different areas. I think that's I mean, great. I like, think the, sorry, just to just to interrupt you, like, like he's collecting them like souvenirs. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, he's a collector, and I think this is something we sort of can talk about. How I kind of envisioned it, and it sort of hit me, and it was this really disturbing thought. What if Cyrus was not just collecting the ghosts that mattered to the machine to open the portal, but he was also in the test grounds and the ability to do that started collecting just any random old. He had to figure out how to collect. Yeah. Collectors don't collect one thing. Collectors collect like, Hey, I got to catch them all. But while I'm at it, I like, you know, it, 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 and I I collect all the NECAs, but like, I really am after just the Friday the 13th toys, but I'm going to have RoboCop and aliens and I'm going (laughs) to have to collect at least six predators. Like, you don't collectors don't collect just one thing uh, or 13 right. things. yeah what collector they, only has 13 homes. items <laughs> they, no. they don't call they they call and they and it becomes an obsession i can tell you as a as a self-proclaimed just obsessed collector it's it's really an obsession and it is a borderline unhealthy and you just <laughs> keep going and you just want and you want and you want to collect and collect and collect it almost becomes a hoarding type thing and we thought well what if cyrus wasn't just doing this again for the machine and just trying to get the right ghosts, but he became obsessed with the with collecting just souls, innocent people, you know, bad people, whatever that is. And his entire, you know, compound was basically imprisoning, yeah, souls of folks. And we just just that just took off because they're like, yeah, that's Cyrus. That is definitely he's the obsessed collector of souls. He's poaching these spirits. He's not just you know catching them. He's keeping them for his pleasure to look at. And yeah, it was it actually sad emotionally, too, because we started thinking about crazy stuff. Like, what if there's a little child that's this innocent soul of a child who died and his mother and they're in this cage, just in this glass box, just locked in there. We thought all sorts of wild stuff, but it adds a level of emotional, powerful emotional resonance to everything. I really think just that one element alone. That's even more sadistic, too, because. Um, oh, yeah. You can play with the fact that, like, what if he's just catching any any human that dies without necessarily caring for, you know, if they could have the potential to move on to whatever the next place is in that universe? What if mm-hmm. he's creating an artificial purgatory? That's with, great. That's crazy. <laughs> We're not going to go fine. too far into it, but your your thought process is on a very cl- clear track where <laughs> you're thinking of the along the right lines. <laughs> Rad. So. I, uh, we can move on. <laughs> 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 we'll keep your secrets. 
Um, okay, so back on the ghost, do you guys want to just name your favorite ghosts of the of the remake? Maybe that you're that you just are really excited to tap into. You don't have to say what you're planning or what you want to do. Just what are your favorites? I'm gonna pick a different one. Um, well, I can say my favorite featurette, um, besides the really depressing one, the hammer, um, was the torn prince. I loved that featurette on the DVD um, about this guy who basically just got torn in half in a car accident. Like it was very, the way it was, the story was told was very James Dean. And what was the name of that movie star that decapitated like in real life? Oh, from, from uh, the, the Twilight, the Twilight Zone, Zone No, there's a real like 1930s or 40s starlet oh. who was driving in a car and she Jane got Mansfield. decapitated. Yes. Thank you. Um, that featurette made me think of James Mansfield and James Dean, the way they wrote it. And I thought like the way that they did his special effects makeup with like just half of his body just kind of like ripped. Mm-hmm. It was really like daunting. That one's kind of haunting. The greaser styling, too, is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a different one this time too. We we we've we've gotten this question a few times. And it's fun to discuss them. One of the ones I'm super excited to get into is the um, the Great Child and the Dire Mother, because in the original movie they were not used at all. They're just creepy, and they're good visuals. But at the end of the day, you're dealing with um, codependence and, and a codependent relationship. And I think there's something there that we have planned that's going to be really exciting. So that's something that, like I personally am so excited for that ghost because when you look at sort of the sickness and the toxic nature of a codependent relationship there's a lot of evil in that and in a ghost in two ghosts what can you do with this codependence and this evil toxicity just tearing at each other corrupting their souls they're going to be like there's something a lot of fun that we have planned and something that i think is really exciting for me to dive into yeah like what does munchausen by proxy look like in the afterlife yeah right <laughs> right exactly. oh my god imagine you get sent to hell and you're with Oh. Your mother. Oh my god! <laughs> if that was the person who sent oh you there, god. like, oh. my god! If you follow the That's light, you terrible. wake up and your mom's just waiting there with another bowl of soup. Like, oh. pretty sure you're hungry. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> I'm not saying I'm talking about you, mom. You would great, Patrick. What's uh, what's your favorite ghost? Uh, you know, I'm gonna go with something that is gonna throw a lot of folks off here, but I really like. Um, the bound woman. I think there's a lot to dissect there. Um, I think it's a it, it's extremely complex character, and I think it it's a good. I like ghosts that have a mixture. The potential of their story has a mixture of you know intrigue and some romance and some angst and a journey of self-discovery and I think all ends and, and the scary attributes of it. But I also like culturally, I think there's a lot there that one could play with without getting too far into it. But I think it's a, that's a very three-dimensional ghost from a character perspective and, and, and a strong female lead. Uh, There's an ability for that to be a, a very strong, culturally strong female lead in a very diverse role. Yeah, ang- angst and longing definitely like good qualities yeah. for a for a well rounded ghost because like you know like, yeah. it, it, like in 
in a living unrequited love situation would be like, oh, there's something that's tangible that's just just out of, you know, just out of reach. And that's kind of exactly what life must feel like to a ghost when you mm-hmm. can see the living, right? Like it's, I would love to be alive again, but I can't, but it's just there. And like, maybe I could get it. And if uh, you're collecting ghosts, you need to have a mel- uh, like a melancholy ghost. Like that's, oh, yeah. that's the OG <laughs> ghost. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, you make a really good point. And that's something we thought about as well while we were writing the se- the series outline was how do the ghosts feel right what are the what are what is a ghost going through and getting in a, the shoes of a ghost mm-hmm. and understanding that and that is half the fun because writing and creating is all about getting into the character yourself and becoming the character it's just fun to be a ghost and <laughs> figure out what is life like and not just for this series and this iteration but looking forward and potentially building a universe out of this thing which oh, yeah. is is really an intention we've discussed that before on other in other interviews is building a universe and the only way to do that is understanding where they go and and what their plates are and what the resolution is or what the ev- evolution is of a ghost and where do they go next well, I'm sure the original team would be very jealous of uh, of the opportunity that you guys, you know, have ahead of you because I'm sure everybody working on it would have. I mean, there was a lot of effort that went into, you know, sort of some of the backstories of the ghosts, but diving into it is is definitely, I'm sure, something they would have all loved to have done. So, like you and your it's... and your team are gonna, your writers are gonna have a great time doing that. I'm sure. It's funny. We've already gotten some of the. We've had overwhelming response in the horror verse all over the place and we've had a few of the og cast tweet little things i actually got a message from the actor that played the great child oh yeah and that message came through a few days ago and he messaged me and he goes i'd be willing to put the diapers on one (laughs) more time for the sake of the series and i just answer back if there's any power i have to make it happen And we talked about that too. How cool would that be just to get some OG, not not in specifically the roles. I think it's more fun if they're not in the roles they were before, but somewhere integrated into that. We are way far away from that world and we don't really have 100% say of that, but we always thought it would be cool to oh, get some our, Matthew back. Lillard. <laughs> oh, dream dream that that is absolutely a, a dream a dream that would be a dream but again that's that's out of our hands uh, right now it's in Sony's hands you know that's that's where we're at uh you know it's a weird climate for for movies and studios right now it's a very strange climate and things are very up in the air you know um the writers are on strike everybody you know it's a a lot of strikes and and labor unions are, are trying to get what what's right for them and um you know, it's just a bad time to get a show off the ground. So we want to keep that buzz alive. That's why we're we're really trying to keep keep people excited about this idea and, and what what the, the vision for our, our little motley crew has, because, um, you know, we pitched it. Dark Castle loved it. They said, let's take it to Sony. We took it to Sony. They were like, cool. And then that's where that's where it sits. You know, that's that's where you're stuck until you can get them on board. And unfortunately, you can't just go to somebody else and be like, hey, you do you think it's cool? Because it's a rights. Everybody has 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 their hand in it. But um, you know, we we'd love love for them to come come around and be like, yeah, this is what we want. This is cool, and that's why we hope we can get you know all the horror fans behind us and get everybody on board to make it happen. I think this is the only chance. To, I mean, honestly, in my mind, Aaron, and we've discussed this too. But if 
it doesn't happen now with this iteration, which is so strong and so supported and backed by Dark Castle's blessing and them putting us forward for this. By the way, Dark Castle, unbelievable. The folks over there, Ethan Irwin, Robert Bell, the whole crew there, unbelievable folks. They're just wonderful. And they believe in the vision that we have, that we created overwhelmingly and are outspoken about it, specifically with Sony and have no problem telling them that this is the route they would take if they were to make this a series. So that's why I like to say, if if not now, wait years and years and years, you may not, you may <laughs> yeah. not, you may not get this ever. It's Development hell. <laughs> That's why we we would love support from the heart community, which all of which we're getting. I mean, I we couldn't ask. Yeah, them. I think we're the most reported news story of a de, de, just a development situation, not even a greenlit thing to exist. I mean, we had better reach and <laughs> response than the Exorcist trailers. So <laughs> you know, we've had great response from the whole community, and we're overwhelmed by it. And it makes us our, our hearts feel full. I feel like feel we're in the full. 13 ghost renaissance right now. Anyways, like horror fans are just kind of like rediscovering how great the early 2000s movies were. And this is this is a peak time. Sony's going to see how much money they're going to make off this. And they're going to be like, let's do it. <laughs> so much money. And uh, the funny thing that Ethan had said over at Dark Castle with the, going back to the AR component is when we were pitching before we had started, Ethan was like, and they have an AR component that we can pitch through. And he goes, nudge, nudge Sony, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who's they- better to do a AR integrated experience than Sony, right? <laughs> That's true. I mean, if, if there's never an ex- area to exploit with your own technology, you know, that's the time. That's rad. But thank you, Pat. I just want to say thank you for um, eloquently just saying how like full we are for the support from like the fans for just like an idea, um, which has kind of made us a little bit hungry. Like we want to do this. We want to create this. We have people in crew who we know that some of them have actually worked on the remake and would come back for this. Some folks from Walking Dead Universe that worked on um, worked on Thirteen Ghosts in two thousand one. Like, oh, wow. I feel like we have the right people, the right time to do something like this and to execute it. You know, with like style and grace and a little bit of terrifying thrown in. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, we got faith in you, Ashley. You can roll up your sleeves. You can get this done. <laughs> so come on, let us make this so we can make a TV show and give people jobs. Yeah. We need to do. <laughs> Some good paying jobs. And and revolutionize the horror world. I, I think there, there was an article written a few days ago saying, just looking at all of the pieces that have been put out that we sort of dangled out there over the last few weeks and constructing everything and saying, this is something that could revolutionize Horror the way people yeah. consume horror and horror television itself. And I really believe that. I, I really do. I have from the beginning. I think this is a very unique experience to, like Aaron said, it got really sort of dark there and it stopped being fun for a while and it started getting a little, you know. And I think it's an opportunity for us to change the horror sphere for the, the better and put it, set it on a direction where things are fun again. My favorite mm-hmm. part of that article was its headline, Creative Watch. Ashley Robinson was put <laughs> it. 
<laughs> yeah, that that was a that was yeah. that was, that was actually brilliant. really dope. My that mom a- cried. Aww. <laughs> Aww. That's awesome. Right, no, no lies detected. And I was you know? like, there's still a strike. So yeah. we gotta wait if it does. But that's why we just keep this buzz strong, you know, keep people hungry yeah. so that as soon as this ends, you know, we, we're ready to rock. We're ready to go. We, you know, like Ashley said, we have incredible teams, you know, of people who've been working on, on big TV shows, big genre TV shows, big horror TV shows. Um, you know, I did Walking Dead for four years uh, and then Fear of the Walking Dead for the last season and and all the cool connections we've made through our years working in TV, uh, you know some of the best of the best are ready to rock. So this is going to be one heck of a TV show if we can get it going. Yeah. With our vision and our team and connections and everybody that wants to be a part of this thing, it's going to give 13 ghosts fans and new fans that don't even know their fans yet. Exactly what they've always dreamed of having from a 13 ghost series. And how rare is it that that actually happens where the fans actually do get what they really want and then new fans come in to the franchise and learn and appreciate what it is and what it started out as in the roots and william castle would be proud so. <laughs> well we are both of us are rooting for oh, you guys yeah. so hard and uh let us know when the applications open for the writer's room <laughs> fair writer's room after the <laughs> But yeah, oh. thank you, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you for dodging all the all the questions that you're not allowed to answer yet. That's totally fine. We get it. And fingers crossed, you know, we're we're sitting here again next October talking about how you guys were a record smash hit. Breaking down oh. the first That's episode. <laughs> yeah. That would be amazing. Putting it in the universe now. Sending it out. Well, happy Halloween, guys. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Can I plug happy some socials? Halloween? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, you can check check out my podcast if, if your listeners are interested. The Launchpad Podcast. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Launchpad Pod on our website, launchpadpod.com. You can check us out on YouTube, too. We're doing a bunch of uh, San Diego Comic-Con content drops. We just released the uh, NECA booth tour where we got to talk to a toy designer who designed all the ghost face toys for NECA, which is right super cool. That's so right. A lot of fun there. Cool. Do you guys want to plug stuff, too, as well? Yeah, anything. Where can we watch The yeah. Walking Dead? <laughs> yes. Fear the Walking Dead comes back in, I don't even know how many weeks, but I know we end around, when did it come back, Aaron? Oh my gosh, I should know this. Soon, I think very like, soon. Soon. Yeah, like, <laughs> end of September, no, end of October. End of October, Fear the Walking Dead comes back. Last six episodes of the series ever. It's beautiful. We put our heart and soul in making sure that this series was ended with some respect to the overall story. So make sure you catch that, I guess, on AMC and AMC Plus and HBO Max. Mm-hmm. What else? And then um, for myself, my socials are all at Ashapalooza with three <laughs> O's. I'm actually currently crowdfunding for my directorial debut. My friend wrote a short called Reparations Day, where we imagine reparations have actually been given out in America if that day were to ever come. So if you can, just share it on your socials, check mine, and you'll see it on there. And hopefully we can raise some money and make a really beautiful short. Right on. Rad. What about you, Pat? We got. <laughs> if, you, if, you have, if you have any aspiring horror screenwriters that listen to the show, which I'm sure you do, or if you just love horror screenwriting or want to know a little bit more about how to write 
a screenplay for a horror film, you can check out my podcast, Screamwriters Podcast. Uh, you can head over to screenwriterspodcast.com. We are on our fourth season right now. Aaron has been taking the reins for my co-host recently. He's uh, he's a honorary co-host, and we've had some great episodes, and uh, we're a bi-weekly show. So you can follow us on Twitter or X, whatever you call it now, <laughs> at at Screamwriters PC and on Instagram at Screamwriters Podcast. You can follow myself personally at New York in June on Twitter. And then please follow um, for more news up and coming, Aaron and I's new production company, Primordial Pictures, at Primordial Picks on Twitter. And we're also PrimordialPicks.com, I believe, right, Aaron? Yeah, and uh, and we're on Instagram too. Right. And Instagram. Cool, awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to Aaron, Ashley, and Patrick for joining us and sharing like so many details about what they have planned for the series. Um, we have some exclusive photos from the pitch deck that they released on our website. Just search 13 Ghosts. Uh, spell it out because it's 13 spelt out but not like the weird way that dark castle did it but also not the numbers like the original one wow made that complicated yeah just look up 13 ghosts on the website everybody (laughs) i think you'll find it yeah very excited for this project can't wait to see it uh and keep your eyes and ears peeled here at nightmare on film street yeah because now that the now that the strike is done we we might hopefully get some more news on it but until we hear more i'm john i'm kim Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.